Are you blessed by the singing today? Were your hearts uplifted in praise? We give thanks to the praise team for their hard work on our behalf and their leadership every Sunday. It's always a blessing. Before I begin our message today, I want to uh, remind you that today's sermon will be the end of the rotation of your elders preaching from the Word of God, uh, as we did so in honor of our um, beloved pastor, David Roth. He was going to teach on the uh, doctrines of grace, and then he was going to teach on First Thessalonians, and then he was going to teach on Second Thessalonians. And so when the Lord took him, the elders decided to carry through with his uh, plans. And so that's what you delivered. And I will be finishing today. Um, and then our new pastor, uh, Stephen, will be beginning his preaching ministry among us next Sunday. And in final word about my brother David, if you don't understand it, there are a lot of Roths seated here. And that's a testimony to him as well. His family loves the Lord, loves the church. And they are faithful. And so, our Pastor David will never be forgotten. Because we will see him in them every week. Of course, my bookmarker uh, for chapter 3 today is my glory guy. And he'll remind me that it's because of the glory of the Lord that we continue on in this faith that we have. Amen. Now, this uh, chapter three, you would think it might take a long time to preach it, but not so. It's uh, three parts. First five verses um, deal with uh, prayer. The next uh, six through uh, 16 or 15, actually, deals with a conduct issue. And then the salutation at the end. We should uh, very easily be able to go through these verses today and be edified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glory of your word. We ask, Lord, that you would touch our hearts and our minds by your word and by your spirit, that we might move on to the next stage of our Christian growth, that we would be even more readily available to your service day by day by what we learn today and what we learn next week and the weeks following, because your word is special. Lord, may we eat your word, taste it. And be nourished and strengthened and motivated to carry out the Great Commission. Glory be unto your holy name, O God. Amen. Verse 1. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it was also with you. Now, these Thessalonians would know exactly what he's talking about there, because his ministry there was only three weeks. And yet the word of God took root uh, very firmly, so much so that these Thessalonians uh, made testimony to the rest of Macedonia. They were well known to Macedonia because of their great faith that they had in such a short period of time with Paul. The word of the Lord is a very important phrase there. All of us seated here have been uh, moved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whenever we think of the word of the Lord, we think of the gospel. Quite often when preachers get up and preach the word of God, we say the gospel was preached today. Even if we didn't go to John 3.16, 
no matter what we teach out of the word of God, it's the gospel of God from beginning to end. The good news, God saves people. God changes people. God sustains people right unto glorification. He is sovereign by his word in our lives. And Paul was asking for prayer that this word, this gospel that he was spreading would go rapidly, spread rapidly through the world. And it did so. Missionaries depend on us to pray for them on a regular basis. Um, The small group in, in which I participate, we pray for our missionaries every Tuesday night. And I hope that each of the other small groups do the same. Um, we pray by their name and ask for them to be, um, that the word of God might be glorified through them. And it is, it does glorify the Lord himself that his gospel is glorified among the world. His name is to be pronounced, not social fun, not niceties, not nice behavior, but the change of life that comes with the preaching of the word of God that glorifies God changed lives, your lives where you live holy day by day by his word glorifies him. And so may that be a uh, continuing motivation for you as you look in the word of God, always seek to see how God is glorified in your life. <clears throat> and it was so with these Thessalonians. Verse two. And that we will be rescued from troublesome and evil people, for not all have the faith. And the Thessalonians knew this well, and we know this well. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, you know, people do try to stop it. They make fun of you, and they make laws, and they do different things to hinder the word of God. But is the word of God hindered by people? No. The sovereign Lord, by his Holy Spirit, continues to see his word spread throughout the world, no matter what the troublesome and evil people might want to do. They are always among us. Every generation of Christians has been burdened by troublesome and evil people. It's all around us. It can get us down. But if we keep our minds on our sovereign Lord, the troublesome people and the evilness that is around us fades away in the face of his glory. But that means you need to stay in the word of God, doesn't it? Remain faithful to reading of the word of God, meditating upon the word of God, and living and obeying the word of God. Therefore, you can overcome the evil that is around you and live holy lives. Not all have faith. You have faith because God gave it to you as a gift. You didn't drum it up on your own. God came to you placed faith in your life and you were able to then understand the gospel, receive it and live it. Verse three makes a transition, says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. First two verses, he's asking for prayer for his ministry. And now in verse three, he's focusing on you, the people. God is faithful to strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So, that gives me the idea that all the things that he's saying about his ministry of spreading the word of God and glorifying God in it is your ministry as well. You need to be prayed for so that your ministry of spreading the word of God faithfully and glorifying God in it 
that you would be protected from the evil one in following through with that. The Great Commission was given to us for a reason. Each and every one of us who claims the name of Jesus Christ is a missionary. You are commissioned to spread the word of God and glorify him in it. He is faithful to keep you strong in the face of opposition, not only of the evil one, but of evil people and troublesome people. Continue your ministry of the gospel, no matter what is going on around you, in other words. He is faithful to strengthen you. We have confidence in verse 4 in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will do what we command. Wow. Now, the apostles had the power and authority to command by the word of God. And much of what they said is what we consider today to be the inspired word of God. Now, your elders don't give commands. We teach and admonish and exhort from the commands of the apostles that are written. But we don't give commands. But Paul does. And so everything that we hear from him, we need to consider to be a command to us. It's not an option. You might think uh, things that the elders say to be optional, and in some ways that is true. But when we teach you the word of God and exhort you to follow the word of God, consider them to be commands from the Lord. Because it's his word. His word are your commands. And we need to follow obediently. So our ministry in this life needs to be an obedient one. We obey the word of God to have ministry and how we minister. And if you're not ministering, wake up and begin to minister. And minister strongly because the Lord is faithful to strengthen you in your ministry. The apostle had confidence in the Lord. And the elders of this church have confidence in the Lord that he will do in you his wonderful sovereign work of ministry. And that you will continue to do so. Verse 5, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the perseverance of Christ. You know, our ministries need to be those of a loving nature. We don't want to be obnoxious. We don't want to be rude or crude in our ministry. We need to share the word of God in abundance in the world with love. That the Lord would direct our hearts to be loving in our ministries, whether it be evangelism, counseling, uh, comforting, all those things. There's never a time in this church when there isn't someone who needs your comfort. You know, the Larkin family, you know, needs your comfort. Roth family, continued comfort. Encouragement. There are people who need encouragement at all times. People get depressed in this evil world in which they live. And they need you to build them up with your comforting ministry. So along with the gospel ministry, you have a lot of other ministries in which to be um, directing your hearts to the love of God, and to the perseverance of Christ. Now, we're not just talking about perseverance of the saints here. We're talking about the patience of Christ. The way that Christ suffered on our behalf, patiently, lovingly, we need to have in our ministries to the world around us. We need to be steadfast, 
continually faithful with the ministry that the Lord has given us in this world. Because who is it that is directing your hearts to that love and to that perseverance? The Lord. Verse 6, we transition into a not so hard to understand topic. You know, that of um, disciplined life. You know, in this we have discipline talking about working for your bread. But there's also discipline here in how you live your life. Live your lives in an orderly and quiet fashion. But yes, do work for a living. Earn your money to buy your food, to uh, heat your house, and to give to the church and all the other things. We command you, verse 6, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother or sister who leads leads a disorderly life, and not one in accordance with the tradition which you received from us. In those three short weeks, the Apostle Paul and his two companions taught the Thessalonians a lot. He actually dealt with orderliness. Not only orderliness in the church service, but in the daily life. These people were um, from a society which was disorderly. Their gods, you know, the idols that they worshipped, were very disorderly. The gods, the, the way that they projected their gods to people, those gods lived disorderly lives. Um, sexually immoral lives in their kingdom above. And so they worshipped those disorderly gods in a disorderly fashion and in an immoral fashion. And so when Paul preached the gospel to them and the gospel changed them, they had to have a new tradition, a new way of life, a new way of worshiping. No longer did they go to the temple and do immoral things to worship their gods. Now they had the one God, the sovereign God of all ages who created everything, who expected them to live holy lives, pure lives, and pure worship. And so... This disorderly life had to change to an orderly life. And that's what is expected of us, not just in our orderly service here, but in our daily walk with him. It needs to be orderly. Remember the traditions that Paul taught. And one of those traditions is what we're talking here in the next few verses. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. Because we did not act in an undisciplined way among you. Not just food related, not just work related, but their example was one of holiness. Always remember when you read these verses, the tradition of the church, the orderliness of the church is for you on your daily life. The meditations that you hear from the pulpit are meditations for your daily life, morning, noon, or night, whenever it is that you choose to meditate upon the word of the Lord and pray and worship him. Remember the things that Paul teaches. And we have a whole lot else, don't we? (laughs) There's a lot of tradition in the word of God. Don't see the word tradition as a bad thing. Because there is worldly tradition that we discount. The word of God... Tradition we hold dear. Hold to the traditions of the word of God that you are taught by. 
that has changed your life and has guided you through all these years. There's some people here who have been Christians for a very, very long time. Right, Roy? Right, Tommy? Long time believers in our Lord, followers of our Lord, faithful to our Lord. I finally attained the 70-year mark. Mm, How many years of salvation is that? Close to 50, something like that. Mm, 49 years of faithful service to our Lord. He changed me, and I never turned back. Love him with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, as you should, because that's the command of our Savior. But verse 8 says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Now, don't think that Paul took a receipt with him to every time he ate at somebody's house and said, here, I'm going to pay for my dinner with you tonight. That's not what he's really saying here. He said he worked so that he had provision for himself. And yeah, he might have he might have done a potluck thing. He might have brought some bread along with him to share with the people he was having supper with. Who knows? But what we do know is that he was setting an example that people work for their food. Matter of fact, he um, continued working day and night that he would not be a burden to anyone. There were people in that church who were not, did not have great means. And for him and his two companions to come and eat with them all the time would be taking from their resources. And so they worked day and night to have their own resources so that when they fellowship, when they broke bread, which is an important aspect of the church, breaking bread together is an extremely important tradition of the church. We need to be inviting each other to each other's homes and break bread together. That is a tradition of the church. We get to know each other. We get to know how to encourage. We get to know how to pray for. We know how to comfort when we get to know people well in their homes. Small group isn't the only thing that brings you to that kind of relationship. You need to have breaking bread with others who are not in your small groups. You don't want to be a burden to anyone by being a worker. There are people today, it wasn't just in Thessalonica that there were disordered people who, when they got saved, quit working, quit making money, and started living off other people's means. That happens today still. There are churches today that still exercise church discipline on people who do that, who quit working, start asking the church for benevolence money so they can pay their bills, and the churches have to start working with them, teaching them. Um, you need to get out there and pound the pavement a little bit, get a, get a job to meet your family's needs. We're going to help you along here as a transition, but we expect you to get a job. We're going to help you find a job if you can't do it. And uh, there are examples, even in the Hampton Roads area that I know of, where people have been excommunicated from churches for not going to work and meeting the needs of their family. It still happens today. But Paul taught us to be workers, to make a living that is sufficient for your family, Sufficient for your church. Sufficient for people in need that come across your path. 
Try to always make enough that you have something set aside that you haven't splurged on yourself so that you have to, uh, to give to people in need. You will always find people in need. And sometimes helping people out in their time of need is a gospel entrance. Quite often. Verse 9. Not because we do not have the right to do this. In other words, to come to you and eat off of you and get money from you and all those things. They have the right. But in order to offer ourselves as a role model for you so that you would follow our example. They worked like that to set an example for everyone there that the tradition of the church is for people to work for their needs and to have abundance of that to help others' needs. Um, Here in this church, we have the tradition of paying our pastors. We don't pay our lay elders, but we pay our um, pastors, staff pastors, for a reason. We want them to be freed up. We charge them to be freed up to work the Word of God ministry in people's lives. We want them to evangelize, to disciple, to counsel, to encourage, to work. They work for their money. Yeah, we give it to them, but they work for it. And it is the tradition of the church to do so. We hope someday in the uh, future to have two pastors. We hope to have an assistant pastor for Stephen in the very near future. We will need to uh, financially fund Every week so that we can make that salary as well. We want two pastors working the work of the gospel ministry at this church. We want the uh, city of Virginia Beach and elsewhere to have plenty of ministry from this church. And we don't want those people, you know, tent making. We want them fully funded by this church working full time at the gospel ministry. I hope you agree because you have in the past. The example of Paul should be a part of our lives. Not just work, but remember, your daily walk with the Lord. His example was not just one of finances. It was one of gospel ministry. He's asking for prayer for that ministry. So you need to be asking for prayer for your gospel ministry. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, those three weeks... We used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Transitionally, you meet the needs of people when they come to a crisis. But during that period of time, they should be working towards getting a job, finding a source of income to meet their own needs for their bread, for the roof over their head and the clothes on their backs. It's an order of the apostle which is an order from the Lord himself that people work for a living to provide for themselves. And as I've said, I guess it would be the third or fourth time, always in your budget, put money aside so that you can be available to help others in a time of need. That you don't have to go to the church and say, hey, Benevolence Fund, can you go help this person? No, you help that person. You be the gospel ministry in that person's life. In order to do that, you need to set aside a little bit of funds for that ministry. Meet your needs, the needs of your family, but also for those in need that God may send you away. 
Verse 11, for we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, it's bad enough that people don't work for a living. And they're mooching off of other people who do have means. But to be a busybody as well. You know what a busybody is? Going around finding out about everybody and spreading it to everyone else. Having the joy of spreading that, <laughs> that message that you've heard uh, around town. Busybodies. Getting in the business of other people. Looking into other people's lives on purpose so that you can spread rumors about them. Now, all of us have probably done it in a small fashion at some point or another. And we've repented and changed. It happens, and and that's not to mean that you don't talk about each other. You know, if if we see somebody doing something, it's okay to talk about it. But there's a there's a line to where you change from being concerned about someone and figuring out how to pray and help someone than to be a busybody. Don't be a busybody. Be busy working. Be busy sharing the gospel with the world. That's the body you want to have. The busy body of the gospel. You know, you don't want to be obnoxious. You don't want to be crude or rude in your gospel message. But you do want to be a little, a bit of a pest. Because you're going to be the hound of heaven in people's lives. Constantly reminding them of their need to repent and come to the Savior. That is your ministry. You're not free from it. You're not immune from it. That should be an overwhelming desire on your part as a Christian to share the gospel with others. Be involved in people's lives. Of course, I continue to repeat myself. I wonder why. You think people remember something when they're reminded? Yeah. Now we come to the Apostles' command in verse 12. Now we command and exhort such persons in the Lord Jesus Christ to work peacefully and eat their own bread. Command and exhort. It's an important uh, couple of words, isn't it? To encourage and to tell. You know, the word of God is very clear about work. All of us need to love being employees or managers or owners of businesses. It should be a joy to see the Lord's provision for you in that activity. should not be a drudgery. Yeah, some people, you know, take any job that they can get, and it's a drudgery. But you always have the opportunity to move somewhere else if you want to do something a little bit different. It's, it's there. You just look around. But during that job that's a drudgery, do it as unto the Lord. Give God glory by the way you work in that job while you're transitioning to try to find another one that you enjoy a little bit more. I've been through a number of jobs over my life. Not a lot. I'm kind of one of those, um, I guess Gina would call me commitment freak. I like to stick with one thing for as long as possible. Uh, I didn't stick with the Marine Corps because my fiance said, I don't want to be mar- married to a Marine. Get out of that mess. Okay, so I got out. 
<sighs> but she continued to hear the Marine Corps motivation songs from day to day. She had to put up with that. But she shouldn't have minded because that lady was a Marine as well for three years. I married a Marine. Hoorah. I wear the symbols. I sing the songs, but she gave it all up. It was bad enough to be married to a previous Marine for her. She wanted the wife task. She wanted the baby task. She wanted the homemaking task. That's what she wanted. Forget the Marine Corps. And she got all those things in abundance. Four kids in five years and 11 grandkids. It's a wonderful life. Given by our Lord. Always give praise unto him. His commands and his exhortations cause us to work our jobs peacefully and to provide for our own needs. You know what it means to work peacefully? When the boss yells at you, you just say, yes, sir. Don't give him a ration of junk. No excuses. Just say, okay. I'll change and I'll go do it your way. That's peaceful. This stuff where you give them a, a bunch of uh, junk in reply, that's not peaceful. Order your life where you work in peace. Say, yes, sir. No, ma'am. Whatever you have to do and get on with the job in which you have been tasked by the boss. Sometimes... That is a ministry to your boss, because if you have an unsaved boss, where can that lead? Because you will be different from the other employees if you respond peacefully. Because most employees do not. It can lead, why are you so different? Well, let me tell you why I'm different. Amen? Verse 13, but as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary of doing good. So, yes... There are people that are coming in our lives that are not working and need your help and you need to transition them. Don't weary in doing that kind of good and all other kinds of good, whether it be visiting the sick, especially in the hospital or at home. Visitation is a work of love. Don't weary in doing it. Don't weary in the work of Sunday school teaching or adult Bible fellowship work or of decorating or of cleaning the church or any other thing. Thing that the church has you doing that is important. Dave Larkin never gets tired of ministering to us with our audio and our visual. Make it a joy. Don't weary in serving the church and serving those that God puts your way outside the church. Be strong. Verse 14. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter... Take special note of that person so as not to associate with him, so that he would be put to shame. And that's where we come into the area of church discipline. Before this, we've been talking about ministry, looking out for people. But now, okay, people have been looked out for, they've been counseled, they've been taught, but now they still won't change. They're still living in a disorderly manner, continue to be busybodies, still mooching off people, and you know, making tears of imploring for money from the benevolence fund when they should be working by then. Okay, what do you do at that point? Now we're talking 
make special note of that person and disassociate with that person so that they can be ashamed of themselves. That's what being put to shame means. They can be ashamed of themselves. You're not casting shame on them yourself by your words and your actions. You're just disassociating yourself and letting them know that we're doing it because you are a busybody and a mooch. You need to change. The shame that that brings of being disassociated should bring repentance. And that's what you're hoping for. You're not doing it out of spite. You're doing it out of a true love that comes from the Holy Spirit that they might repent and be restored in the church. That that person would one day be back in your church um, services, uh, part of your ministries, and a part of uh, even teaching if that's their gift. You want to restore people. Any kind of discipline. It doesn't have to just be this kind of church. There's church discipline for a lot of things. A lot of times it can be sexual immorality. Uh, it can be uh, fighting, disruptive, you know, beating people. All kinds of things that ch- sometimes church people do where they have to have church discipline placed on them. In every case, we want to restore them to the church. If they go to jail for a crime and they come out of jail and they are truly repentant, are you going to be afraid to let a jailbird back in your church? No. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is strong in you. He's faithful to strengthen you. You can restore such a one. Bring that repentant one back into your loving arms, your loving church. And as they show themselves faithful and prove themselves useful, you restore them to ministries slowly as you see the truth of God's work in them come about. That's what church discipline is about. It's never out of anger. It's never out of strife. It's out of love and peace. And yet, verse 15, do not regard that person as an enemy, but admonish that one as a brother or sister. And I think I pretty much covered that uh, ahead of time. They're not enemies when you cast someone out of church. They are your brother or they are your sister, that you are hopeful will repent and come back into the Lord's ways, the Lord's traditions. Admonish. You know, counseling, correcting, teaching, helping. That's a ministry that we have. You know, initially it starts with you and that person. Later on it becomes you and a couple of others. And then the elders get involved. And then the church excommunicates someone, disassociates with someone. But the whole time, prayer for that person, love directed towards that person, caring directed towards that person at all times. No one that is cast out of a church is to be treated in an ungodly manner. Always a godly, loving, peaceful manner. Because you are trying to restore them back. They want a good memory of you, of you and your loving nature so that they can come back. And now our salutation, benediction. Verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. Boy, 
in every circumstance. Anyone have any unhappy circumstances in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all go through unhappy circumstances in our life. And each and every one of them, the Lord is faithful to, what's that word he used? To grant you peace through it. To give you the strength you need to get through every circumstance. Some circumstances are not your fault. Some circumstances are your fault. If you say an unkind word to someone and you get some repercussions from it, that's your fault. And you need to apologize and you need to make restitution in that. But sometimes you're going through circumstances that you had nothing to do with. And so you don't want to blame it on Satan. You don't want to blame it on the world. And in some cases, you don't even want to blame it on your flesh. You don't want to blame anyone. Just go to your Lord in prayer and ask for his peace and his strength and his sustenance to get through every circumstance. Because every circumstance that we go through causes us to grow. You know, the word of God elsewhere talks about how we grow from faith to faith, to faith to faith. Just like a, one pastor in the past said, when you preach, you go from verse to verse, another pause, to verse, another pause. And that's the way I teach. Uh, verse by verse exposition is done differently by different teachers. I kind of, you know, meander around in between and keep going to the next one. And today you haven't gotten but one Keith story. The one about Gina and the Marine Corps. Wow, that's a that's a record. Only one key story in a sermon. Wow. Let's see if I can think of another one before I end. Normally, they are not uh, uh, previously written down. You know, well, none of my notes. I don't have notes. But they they just come spur of the moment. And Pastor David loved that. If you didn't know it, those at Faith Bible Church that came over pretty much know it because he used to talk about it. You others need to know, Pastor Dave loved those spur-of-the-moment little key stories. And I guess mostly he liked to make fun of me afterwards. That was a real pleasure for him. And for me. We were close. The Lord of peace himself is the one that gives us peace in our circumstances. You know, yeah, the church is a help. The pastor is a help. The elders are a help. Your friends are a help. But the Lord of peace himself is available to you for your peace in every circumstance. Draw upon him. Because I'll tell you what, his peace is a whole lot better than any of us can give you. Matter of fact, some of us are not as good as others at dispensing peace. Some of us are a little stiff. Some of us are a little more mushy-gushy. I don't know which one I am. (laughs) Maybe in between somewhere. The Lord be with you all. He is always with you. Not only is the, the Lord of peace with you in peace in every circumstance, but he is with you always. There's never a time when he's not with you. In those dark times when you turn your back to the Lord and to the Lord's word and meditation and prayer, he's still with you if you are his. And you will be drawn back into a loving relationship with him after repentance. Every single time. If you are his, truly his. 
Those who fall away and stay away were never his. But if you are his, those dark days that occasionally come when you quit disassociate with the church, with the Bible, and with prayer, if you're a true Christian, you will come back. Because our Lord is sovereign. He's faithful. He will draw you back. Remember how he drew you from your sin to save you? How dramatic that was? Imagine how easy it is for him to draw you back once you are a Christian, once you've already tasted of his goodness and of his word, to be able to get you back again. A lot easier. Verse 17. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. And this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. Well, Okay, and he needed to do that with this one because remember in First, first Thessalonians, uh, there was some people in between there that started distorting some of the things that Paul said. And some of them, we believe, actually wrote letters saying that they were Paul and disrupting and discouraging people. And he says here, oh, look, at the end of this, this is how I write. If you see this at the end of a letter, this is me. Besides that, he should be reminding them, remember the traditions that I taught you. If someone is writing you a letter or coming to preach to you with an opposite to the traditions that I taught you, it's not from me. The Lord taught me one way. I taught that way, and I'm not going to change. The Lord does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is the way he writes to make sure that these folks, when they get more letters, that they know it's Paul and not some fake. And lastly, verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Wow, we've had some really great words today about the Lord. It's faithfulness, love, peace, strength, all these really great things. And he ends it with grace. Grace, grace, wonderful grace. Wish I could sing the song for you. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Wish I could sing the song for you. Trust and obey. Trust him. And the whole idea of this sermon is obedience. Obedience in your ministry. Obedience in your walk with the Lord. Obedience to the precious word of God. And you can't obey the precious word of God if you're not reading and studying it. Don't just depend on your adult Bible fellowship teacher and your pastor to teach you the word of God. You need to read and study the word of God, that it might be glorified in the world in which you minister. His grace is with us through it all.